podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This month's episode is sponsored by SB Sports in partnership with Jason Quigley, James the Soprano Gallagher, and now, of course, Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Get all your sportswear from boxing gear to football kits. Get 15% off with a special discount code AMO2020. To do that, follow the link on our Facebook page. Thank you very much, SB Sports. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Amo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. And welcome to the episode, obviously sponsored by SB Sports. Um, really good to have you with us again and it has been another crazy week but for all different reasons. I think we done this podcast last week, very, very confident of how Liverpool was going to cruise all of these different results and different things like that and yet it has been a week of ups and downs. Um, so first and foremost, Anno, how are you getting on? Uh, how's your week been before we get into all this? Yeah, not too bad. Um, up and down week with the obviously results of Liverpool. Um, I have got a new job and I am planning to move into a new place. So um, quite hectic in, in that way. Um, anyone can relate that starting a new job is quite hectic. And when you're planning to move, which is a bit last minute, that can be quite hectic. So yeah, but apart from that, busy with the kids... Busy trying to keep up with the football. I spent about 10 minutes on... Uh, I can't remember what day it was during the week. And I watched Sky Sports News. And I was like, why do I even pay for this? Like, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's only 10 minutes I watched Sky Sports News in about two months. It's just, it's just... Life is just so hectic at the moment. And I was like, wow. And um, I was watching there was like highlights of goals and like league two from like four years ago. I, was like, I remember I could like, remember all this and was up to date with stuff. It's not like a, a host of football podcast. It's just mad. That's how mad life is. But um, yeah, nah, can't complain. Same old. Um, obviously, good good news for football fans. Me allowed back in stadiums. That's that's good. Um, what's your thoughts now? How's your week been? Yeah, week's been right. Thanks. Just been busy. Just yeah, just the same as you working away. I've been on the hunt for a new car, so I've been doing that all week and trying to go through the joys that are buying a car around Christmas time. Um, but yeah, apart from that, has been all right. And yeah, as you said, your week is kind of, I think at the minute, especially with all the lockdown and different things like that, your week is kind of controlled by how Liverpool's results get on. And I think the more time we spend in lockdown, the more my wife is noticing that, the more that she, like, I, I sit there in a mood one night and she's like, Liverpool playing tonight? I'm like, yeah. Did they get beat? Yeah. And she, and she can see um, so I think our weeks are kind of dictated by that a little bit but it's been good and yet as you said fans back into the stadium some fans obviously um, still not able to have fans in the stadium like so Leicester who we played at the weekend there um, Man United uh, obviously City are still going to have the same amount of fans as what they've always had before lockdown even happened um, and all these different teams Burnley and stuff like that are all going to be still without fans but the likes of Liverpool um are able to get them. Spurs, Chelsea, a few others um, are able to be in tier two, so we're able to have 2,000 fans come into the stadium. It'll be interesting to see how they decide who gets those tickets. Does it only go to season ticket holders? Does it go into some sort of lottery draw each game for who gets to go? Um, do you get to go to away games still? Is some of it allocated to away fans? I, I don't know how this works. So it's going to be interesting to see the ins and outs. Well, yeah, that's the thing, is it? That's what 
um, got to me because I, I know me and you are big massive football fans, but there's certain football fans of like you know teams that, that have, have been going to football matches home and away for 20, 30 years and they literally lived a life around going matches. I mean, we've had Matthew Purchase on quite a few times and mm-hmm. um, he'll be on again probably at some stage. Boys like that, I think, deserve to get like you know ahead of certain other people, but then you could argue that why wouldn't you give normal football fans a chance? So it, it's going to be hard and I'm, I don't know how they're going to do it, but I'm sure it'll be like a draw kind of system. It won't, you know, you might give like a thousand most loyal season ticket holders a chance and then they might give a thousand to like a lottery. I don't know. I, I think the easiest way to answer that, Danny, is like there's no fair way to decide. Is the, at the end yeah. of the day, it's, it's, um, it's a shame. It's good. It's a good step forward, but it's a shame because, you know, they're going to be the selected few. Type of thing, and but I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure we'll, we'll go into the, this Atlanta game, but I think if that was at Anfield with a full stadium, I don't see Liverpool getting beaten that game. To be honest, mm. um, not under Jurgen Klopp. So we'll, we'll come into that. But yeah, um, it's good that football fans allow back in stadiums, and it's a positive step forward. And um, yeah, um, it's a positive thing. It's also going to say about it. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, it was interesting that none of the top four. Level teams, none of them made it into tier one. So no one's having 4,000 people coming to the stadium. The only tier one city in the whole country was Cornwall, who doesn't have a uh, a club in the top four leagues. So all teams that are in tier two are all getting 2,000 people coming along to the stadium. So as you said, it'd be interesting to see who actually gets to go and how they work it out each club. Well, that's it. I think it's been more like a trial than the, the kind of trial and just putting low numbers on it and I'm sure it'll go up and up and up and before before you know hopefully life can get back to normal but we could be celebrating winning the Premier League in three years time the way things are going you just don't know do you um, <laughs> but that, that that's the thing that's the way to look back at like you know the way we'll look back at probably 2019-20 season for Liverpool could be Liverpool won the league after 30 years it was one of the most historic moments in our lifetime and I look back and go they didn't even celebrate it mm. And that's just so. Whenever the time comes, I'm sure we will. And um, but I just hope it's sooner rather than later. And yeah, long long may these little small steps continue because it gives people a bit of hope. And um, yeah, I just I don't know when we'll next be a Liverpool game, but um, as long as there's hope, there's a chance, as you say, isn't it? Exactly, and hopefully it will carry on going. Hopefully we're not sitting here after Christmas talking about how this has all been taken away again. Um, but yeah, like we're going to go into the football matches. But before we talk about the Liverpool game, there is one other talking point, uh, which is that Wednesday, 25th of November, uh, one of the legends of football, Diego Maradona, um, obviously passed away. Amazing career, played at Barcelona, Napoli, Sevilla, Boca Juniors, uh, played for Argentina so many times. Uh, I think he had 91 caps, 34 goals. Um, so he had, he had some career. Obviously, for the likes of us, a little bit past, a little bit before our time. Um, so maybe we didn't get to see who was the best of Maradona. Um, but obviously, always going to go down and known as one of the greatest legends of football. Even just the stories that you heard about him. Uh, there was a story was spoken about on the news the other day about how um, Paul Gascoigne, before one of the games when he was playing over in the Italian league, um, he got completely drunk before the game. And then realised when he was going onto the pitch that he was going to be playing against Diego Maradona um, and went onto the pitch and was standing next to Diego and said to him, I'm absolutely hammered here. And Diego Maradona turned around to him and he said, don't worry, so am I. 
And two of them just played <laughs> half drunk on the pitch, uh, running around, but still obviously played legendary football like the two of them did. Um, did you see much of them in terms of highlights? Because obviously it was a little bit before our time. What was your What are your thoughts on them? <clears throat> well, yeah, first and foremost, it's like 60 years of age. That's far too young. Um, and always had his issues with alcohol and drugs and stuff. But um, I'm going to try and make three or four points here. And I, I'm going to try and put them across in such a way that's like... Um, how, what way can I use? It's a good tribute to him and he deserves what he gets. Mm. So when I think of sports that have been going for years and years and years, you know, the likes of, I'm, I'm going to pick up the top of my head, tennis and boxing. Everyone, whether you're a tennis fan or not, you'll know like Bjorn Borg and you would have heard of him because he was such a superstar yeah. of tennis. You think of boxing and everyone would have heard of like Muhammad Ali and you would have heard of like, you know, Mike Tyson and, and these massive stars of sports. But I look at those sports and you think there's only maybe ever 100 tennis players about at a certain time. Same with boxing. You might only have maybe five or ten big names out at any time. When it comes to football, like the big stars, you think it takes 22 players just to have one football match anyway, plus subs. Mm-hmm. And you think of all the footballers all over the world. To even be mentioned in any era is an absolute achievement. But to be mentioned as the greatest in football with so many people participating I think that's one of the biggest compliments that you you can say about Maradona I mean because he was before our time every single person who watched football would have heard the name Diego Maradona and that's just so true I was like I was actually trying to explain this to my girlfriend today about how big he was and she, she obviously never heard him and I, I, I actually described him as like he's like of Argentina it'd be like the David Beckham of England and I was sitting there, I was backtracking, thinking, actually, nah, he wouldn't be, because Maradona is actually bigger than David Beckham. And that's, and he's so big worldwide, David Beckham, that you can't put a scale on it. I'm, yeah. I was watching a programme there, there's estimated there's going to be a million people at Maradona's funeral. A million people. He's currently waking in the White House of Argentina. You know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't, how can you put that on scale? Like, it's just, he's a footballer. He wasn't mm-hmm. a politician, he was a footballer. And like if you look at like the countries like Argentina where when one of their own makes it to get behind them. And like obviously Messi's Argentinian, like he's a phenomenon. But Maradona was probably the f- with with Pelly, they were the first phenomenons of sport or football. And um what can ever knows the famous game against England in, in the um I think it was the eighteen eighty six World Cup where he the hand of God. Everyone knows that story. You know, see, when I was a youngster, probably 10, 11, 12, like the very early days of YouTube, you've no interest in watching old football matches. You just don't give a crap. It's just like, why would I watch old football matches? You know, Michael Owens scoring that extra fun. Why do I care about Diego Maradona? But you always hear about those stories, the hand of God. You, you always hear about it. Yeah. And then to do that in a World Cup and get away with it, it's one thing. But then to score the goal he scored afterwards, in them day, in them days, with the footballs to where they are, the way players just be able to go in and just be basically boot you. You know what I mean? I was again trying to explain to my girlfriend, like, you know, he literally walked the whole length of the pitch and scored. It just, you see that on a school playground with like the dad. Yeah. And that's what they got mad at other It's like England's best players. <laughs> he just ripped the whole team and scored. And then they went on to win the World Cup. You know, and um, I, I think he was ahead of his time. Um, a genius with the ball. Again, I was watching this documentary and I can't claim to be an expert on him, but they were showing highlights of how he used to warm up. And he was he was flicking the ball up 40 foot in the air and catching it on his toe. You know, it's 
it's stuff that you and he was doing this 30, 40 years ago before you know people were practicing the trade all the time. I'm sure he didn't didn't train the hardest, and I'm sure he didn't like you know them days they weren't professional. They were you just admitted they were drunk on the pitch. You know boys these days who were the spending probably what eighty two hundred hours a week with a football. You can't expect them to do those things. But I can imagine Diego Maradona just turned up and played and he could still do all that stuff. So it's just pure natural ability. Um, as I said, they reckon there's going to be a million people at his funeral. Like, just put that into perspective, a million people in the middle of a global pandemic. Mm. You know, that there is just... Who in who in the history of, of, of human mankind is going to have a million people at the funeral? Well, Diego Maradona is. Mm. Do you know? And... I mean, I don't know what to say. I've, I've Googled some of his goals and YouTube some of his goals in the past and, you know, they're just so ahead of his time. I mean, what's your thoughts on it? I mean, I'm sure it's... You, you can't not talk about it. We couldn't have a football podcast and not talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, as I said, Diego Maradona was coming towards the end of his career, probably the only time I remember. Maradona really, and not even really remember him, but, like, the highlights of what it was would have been sort of Italia 90 um, it was sort of my era when I was watching football and things like that. Um, so I remember Mar- I remember Maradona. I was able to see sort of the end of his career. Um, but in his prime, as you said, he was a legend. There's very few people you put up in that category as being a natural ability legend. You, you've got the likes of the likes of Pele, but even Pele, um, obviously, is is debatable to a certain extent. But you, you've got the likes of Maradona. You've got the likes of Paul Gascoigne. You've got the likes of George Best. These boys who were just like the natural ability was unreal, as you said. Boys today, now, uh, if they were living back in those times, they probably wouldn't have had a chance to be playing at the at the level that those lads are playing at. Because and and at the same time, if you imagine the likes of George Best and, and Maradona and Pele and people like this playing nowadays with the with the level of training and fitness and all of that that's going on, you imagine the levels that they they could have reached even more so. And I think the only the only comparison you've got is the likes of Ronaldo and Messi of now, that they've got the natural ability of the likes of a Maradona or a Pele or a Gascoigne, but then with the extreme fitness levels and the training that goes in now, and you see the the goal tallies they're getting and the way that they play. Um, but yeah, like also the other thing I was thinking was that you think of how football has changed now, because I think people think of looking at clubs now and seeing what they're like right now. Maradona in his prime, nearly signed for Sheffield United. Like we we could have had Maradona in the Premier League right. playing. I didn't did did not know that. Yeah, <laughs> he was he was so close to signing, um, but then he stayed where he was. But it just shows, like, because football was just so much more of an even playing field back in those days. That, as you said, it makes it so much harder. You've got top players at top clubs that are able to shine week in week out on a global stage. Back in those days, you, you couldn't. Italian league football was was only just really coming up and, and coming about to what it was now. The English Premier League, you had different teams winning every single season because everybody was so level. So to stand out in a in a footballing crowd back in those days, as you said, there has to be an an extreme ability and level of talent. And I think Maradona was that. He was the epitome of that to a certain degree, and especially within that period. Uh, as you said, when he won the World Cup with the whole hand of God goal in, in 86 in Mexico and then became runner-up then in Italian 90 as well. In, in those four, within that sort of four or five-year period, he was just unstoppable. 
Um, so he very much deserves the praise and the accolades that he's getting because he was he was a top top quality player, and, and hopefully everyone remembers him for that, not for the latter stuff that, that with the alcohol and the putting on weight and, and what he's done as a manager and things like that. Well, yeah, I mean, all those points definitely taken, and hey, I didn't know we nearly signed for Sheffield United, but <laughs> there's something to be said about raw talent and being a bit of a maverick. Because it's funny, like, we didn't really pre Sometimes we kind of have conversations before we come on air and we, we chat about, like, how, what we're going to chat about. Sometimes we don't. And I, I actually literally was thinking to myself about George Best um, and about Gaza. Hmm. And if you think, like, who was probably Ireland slash Northern Ireland's greatest ever footballer, I think everyone would say, without a shadow of a doubt, George Best. Yeah. You think of who's probably England's greatest ever footballer, I think people, again, without a shadow of a doubt, for natural talent, now we're going to say Stevie G, but for natural talent, everyone would probably say Gaza. Yeah. And obviously, like, Argentina is, is, is Maradona. And I think there's, there's got to be, I don't know if it's in your DNA or in, there's got to be some kind of, I can't put the word on it, but I'm sure people listening to me will understand what I'm trying to say. Some kind of relation between being an absolute genius in your profession, your sport, um, like something a bit different and being just a bit bonkers, <laughs> yeah. you know, and having problems with addiction and, 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 you know, between Gaza and George Best, everyone knows that the obvious problems, but then there's, with, with those three players that I've just mentioned, there's probably the three greatest, three, three of the greatest players in the history of our game and they all had those type of problems and it's just, <laughs> there's got to be, I think there's got to be a relation somewhere. I think you maybe sacrifice certain things in one aspect of your life or well-being to be such a genius of what you do. And it mm. um, be interesting to see how Messi and Ronaldo turn up in like 15, 20 years' time <laughs> to see you know, how it all kind of comes out. But um, as you say, you made a very good point there um, about them days they didn't train hard. They were probably sm- smoking 40 fags a day. They were probably getting drunk before and after matches. Mm. They weren't training. You know, it, it just goes to show. Imagine a Maradona like, in today's game. They probably would be getting the figures of Messi and Ronaldo, if not more. So yeah. it just goes to show, that, you know, with different different areas and and stuff like that. But yeah, we couldn't, we could not have a football podcast not mention the passing of Diego Maradona. It's sad, um, but I think whenever the three, I think the funeral is due tomorrow. I think when you see the images of the funeral, people that aren't even in the football world, they don't like football or care about football, they'll be watching those scenes and saying, "Wow, he's." He's, he's getting a state funeral in Argentina. Yeah. You know, what does that tell you? That, you know, he's the biggest star ever to come from Argentina. Mm. You know, he's, he's there. He is there, God. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's sad. 60's far too young, but these things happen and all you can do is try and remember the good things he did in a bitch. And, yeah, what can you say? Rest in peace, Diego Maradona. I can't really say much more, but genius. And you wouldn't say that about many players. No, no, you definitely wouldn't. Um, but we're going to have a little look and we're going to discuss, obviously, the Liverpool matches. We're going to discuss some of the games that have gone on, moving on, looking a little bit into the football that's gone on over the past week. Um, now, obviously, when we last spoke, there was two big games coming up uh, in the previous week, which was Leicester and Atalanta, uh, which, as you said, are very much chalk and cheese games. But we're going to talk about the Leicester game first. Um, what did you What did you make of the Leicester game? What did you make of the, the players that Klopp brought in? Uh, and how do you think we we got on as a whole? 
Well, first of all, I think it was probably our best performance of the season. James Milner just keeps rolling back the years. Talk about Captain Fantastic with Henderson being out, with Van Dyke being out, with Salah being out. I mean, I don't know what to say. He played absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think it was just a perfect performance. Um, obviously, we got a little bit of good fortune with the, the goal from Johnny Evans, the own goal. Mm. Um, again, Andrew Robinson was amazing that match. Jota is just on fire. Yeah, I think Diego Jota should have started against Atlanta, but that's another story. Um, what a header by him, what a ball by Robinson. And then obviously, wasn't to see Bobby Firmino get a goal in the end as well. He's um, he's come under a little bit of unfair flack, and I think that goal meant a hell of a lot to him. But Leicester are like a great team, and they're the top of the league. Mm. Um, it was a tricky, tricky game. Let's all be honest. We knew it was a game that we could easily go and get beat. Um, it was a game you probably would have took a point beforehand. I think I predicted 1-1. Um, but in saying that, we turned it on. Um, it was a professional performance. Um, Matip and Fabinho were faultless at centre-back. Curtis Jones fitted them brilliantly. Um, Jotter on fire. Manny, great as usual. Great to see Firmino get a goal. And I think it was just what you call a perfect, perfect performance. And it kind of answers a lot of kind of people being like, oh, Liverpool's injuries, just Liverpool's injuries. A lot of people stood up and went, actually, you know what? That's a real, real under under strength Liverpool team. You know, it's nowhere near full strength. And uh, we just schooled one of the best performances, of this, one of the best performance um, teams this year. So, you know, we just schooled a team that have played great this season. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've got a lot of respect in the league, you know, under Brendan Rodgers. And, uh, yeah, I just think it was a perfect performance. I can't say much more, Danny. <laughs> what were your thoughts? Yeah, similar to what you were saying. I think it was a it was a really good game. A lot of pundits were talking about it before, saying about the fact that they thought that Jamie Vardy was going to have an absolute field day against our back line, with Van Dijk being out, with Gomez being out. And just like when we beat them 4-0 at, at their stadium... Vardy didn't see a sniff all game, which was rubbish for my fancy league team. But as a Liverpool fan, it was amazing. Um, so it, I think if you Leicester, as good a team as they are, because they're a great team, and I don't think anyone can take that away from them. It, but I think you, you're killing off 60, 70% of their game if you can keep Jamie Vardy quiet for 90 minutes. And that's what we've done. We focused on making sure that Fabino and Matty were all over Jamie Vardy for that game and making sure that nothing happened. And then outside of that, Jamie Vardy is their creative line. He is there running in through the back line, creating those gaps between the midfield and the defence, putting us on our heels all the time. And if you manage to keep him quiet, the rest of their team didn't really do all that much. Leicester just looked really, really flat. Uh, and that's not saying that Liverpool weren't as good as what they were because they were amazing during that game. And I felt it was one of those games where everybody put in a shift and you know you have one of those moments where the whole team clicks and that's what that game was the whole team clicked really well they played well together they fought for each other as you said you got the likes of Milner coming in who had a who had a great game Curtis Jones played well and you've got all these different boys who were coming in Fabino and Matip coming back from uh, obviously Matip injury a couple of weeks ago Fabino just coming back from injury as well they all stepped up and performed really, really well. And I don't think we could ask for any more. I think it could have been more than 3 0. Uh, I think the only player, really, considering what we've been saying in the last number of weeks, the only player that really wasn't firing on all cylinders was Sadio Mane. Uh, and I think if we'd have had him playing the way he's been playing this season, it could have easily have been 4, 5, even 6 0. Yeah. And I think that one of the biggest things about this game was a clean sheet. 
I say, keeping the likes of Vardy and Perez had a very good game and obviously Madison come in for this particular game and, you know, you were kind of half expecting to be a bombard on Liverpool's offence because we weren't as strong as we once were. Um, mm. But yeah, it was just professional, fantastic. Everything you could want in a performance happened against Leicester. Um, and it was a bit of a banana skin because it was like the last game of the weekend, it was a Sunday evening and you're like, hmm, you know, strange things happen. Yeah. I think the last time we played on Sunday even was against Villa. <laughs> <laughs> we all know what happened there, so yeah. But I mean, I don't know what to say except it was perfect and every player that played the part in that game played good mm. and, and done the job and I just, yeah, just a wee dedi- dedication to James Miller. Just, uh, he just gets put anywhere and he's just brilliant. He's just absolutely brilliant and he, he just made, he's outpacing boys like, 15 years younger than him. <laughs> it's just, it shouldn't really be happening, should it? You'd but, love to um, have him in your team, wouldn't you? As a manager, you'd love to have him, that type of player, that utility player that you think to yourself, do you know what? I'll put him anywhere. He's not going to moan. He's not going to kick up a fuss if he's not played in the exact position that he wants to play in. You put him where you need him and you know that you're getting 150% out of him, that he's going to graft, he's going to work hard. Even if he, he's not used to that position, even if he doesn't feel comfortable there, you know that he's going to give it absolutely everything. Um, and I think he made... Obviously, Andrew Robinson got man of the match. He, he played a great game. Uh, every ball he put into that box was was lethal. Um, so he very much deserved it. But I think Milner was a very, very close second just for... Is that his work rate and how good he was? And I feel that it was a fitting tribute in the end. That I feel that even if our defense was poor, I felt like I just felt like on the day nothing was getting past Allison because I think he, he almost had embodied, which is what you want as a Liverpool fan, he'd embodied the whole spirit of that occasion with, with the whole tribute to Ray Clements beforehand, uh, laying down the shirt and all the rest of it. And you just felt like he was so determined to get a clean sheet to sort of honour that tribute that you felt like even if we whoever we'd have put in defence I, I felt like nothing was going to get past Alice in that game well yeah of course a clean sheet I should have mentioned that fitting tribute to, um, to Ray Clemens of course probably Liverpool's greatest ever goalkeeper so yeah 100% um, and obviously another thing I want to mention is that goal from Jota it just continues to to fire on from what a great season he's having he's just kind of we were discussing it where me he, he could come in and challenge us from free and he's just come in and he's probably been I would say, not probably, actually, I'd say he's been our best player this season. But what can you say? It was just absolutely, it was just a perfect performance. And I'm gonna, I don't know how many times I can say perfect in, in one podcast, but it was <laughs> just brilliant and uh, good to watch. It could have been more, should have been more. And I just hope Liverpool play that every week now because um, these better teams than Leicester, believe it or not, in the league. And I just hope we just turn it on, even though we haven't got the, 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 full, the full squad at the moment. Mm. Um, but yeah, which kind of brings us on to Atlanta midweek. So we'll take a quick break and then we'll move on to Atlanta, which I think we'll need to get our thinking caps on and try and be polite because there isn't many nice things to say about the Atlanta <laughs> performance. So we'll take a quick break. Thank you in the meantime for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. This podcast is sponsored by SB Sports. SB Sports sell the merchandise for some of the best up-and-coming boxers and MMA fighters in the game. So if you're looking for any of their merchandise, head over to their website. And if you're looking for football kits, if you're looking for equipment or anything in between, SB Sports is the place to go for great prices and great merchandise. So head over to sbsports.co.uk and get a great deal today. 
Welcome back to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Yeah, so unfortunately we've got to discuss Atlanta now, Danny. Um, <laughs> five nil away from home. Coming to Anfield, European night to to win the group, seal seal um, seal our place in the last sixteen. It seemed an absolute formality. The the changes were you know were made. Reese Williams coming, who's been brilliant so far when he's coming this season. Um, mm. Nico Williams coming. Again, been brilliant this season. Curtis Jones got another start. Um, Arigi played up front. He hasn't really got a lot of football this season. And it just looked like it was going to be a comfortable night. Not until 60 minutes, it was boring and playing. And he thought, you know what? Bring the big guns on. Get a goal. Happy days. Salah was, was back. He had a few little sniffs, but wasn't brilliant. But you just thought it was going to be one of those nights where we'll score a goal, we'll, we'll win the group, we'll forget about it. Um, professional job, yada, yada, yada. And boy, was we wrong. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, how can you sum up that game, Danny? Because I mean, it was just shocking, wasn't it? It was just. Uh, do you know what? Like, I thought to myself, I know there's a lot of religions out there that believe in reincarnation, and I watched that Liverpool game. Watched our left back as Tomiscus came on and played the game that he played, and thought to myself, "We've reincarnated Alberto Moreno here." Because that is just what he was. Like, he was so dodgy. Just every touch of the ball, you thought to yourself, he's going to run this out for a throw-in. Both goals, for me, were, were his doing. Both times, he lost his man. Any time a ball came floating in from that left-hand side, he didn't have a clue where his marker was. And for me, he got lucky for quite a lot of the game. And then when it got to the end of the game, I think they'd caught onto it. We'd all caught onto it. And the only person that didn't was him. And... Twice he lost his man, lost his runner, and they scored both times from it. Like first time, as I said, was just nice little ball dinked in from the left hand side, whipped round, and he didn't have a clue where his man was. Who got the run on him? Got the header, scored. And the second one, it was a little bit between him and Reese Williams. But you can't give Reese Williams too much abuse because, as we said, he was playing fourth tier football last season. He's come in, he's continuously kept clean sheets all the way through. Um, but but obviously it was his man, it was his runner, but also being covered by Tomiscus, who, again, just didn't look like he had a clue where he was. And you felt like he was a he was someone who's been sitting on the bench all season that's walked onto the pitch and forgot that he was actually playing and still carried on watching the game as if he was sitting on the bench. Um, so I feel he was a, bit, he was a big part in, in us losing that in the way that we did. But you can't just blame him because there was enough players out there that, that had poor games. And as you said... It was one of those that you thought it was a formality. We thought as fans that it was a formality. And I think the players on the pitch thought it was a formality as well. That they'll go through the motions, keep knocking it about, and we'll top the group and then they'll get a couple more games. Where now, as usual, and how many times have we spoke about this as, as, as Liverpool fans, we're now in a position where coming up to the busiest time of the year, we're now in our next Champions League game going to have to play our strongest team. Otherwise, we, we risk... Like and it's a very small risk to be fair, but we risk like really making it a far tighter group than what it should be. So we're gonna to have to play a strong team in the league and in the Champions League. Now where if we'd have just won that game, played the way we've been playing all season, we'd be cruising and we'd be able to rest players, but that's that's not the way Liverpool do things, is it? Well, that's the thing, that's so so true. And it's so funny. I just want to like clarify this. We've got Danny Roberts. Mr. Left Back here. Mr. <laughs> if you've got a left foot and you play in the fence, I love you. Slagging 
a Liverpool player that's left-footed that plays <laughs> in the fence. Am I just am I hearing that right? I do you know what I love left backs and I love defenders and I love left footed players. I'm a big advocate for them, but I think at the same time I'm probably the most critical that if you're rubbish, you're getting it from me. <laughs> like we've been <laughs> thankful that a lot of the left backs we speak about are great players and have been playing amazing, but Tomiscus is just not one of those boys. Well, early days we'll give him a chance, I suppose. But you know, now that we're actually on that subject, I'm gonna do something similar. Divakarigi. He has been a bit of a cult hero for Liverpool, scored some amazing goals. And no matter what, you can't take away what he's done for Liverpool. And he'll always go down in kind of like cult figure, you know, a cult figure status in Liverpool, yeah. even if he never kicks a ball for Liverpool again. But with, you know, with, you know, Miramino coming in, with Jota coming in, and with Shakiri kind of coming back out of nowhere and stuff, you're sitting there and thinking it's going to be a hard, hard, you know, task for Reed to get any game time this year. And it's proved to be that. Hmm. So then he's coming, he come in against Atlanta and you're thinking, you know what, Origi, you've done nothing in about two years for Liverpool. This is your chance to kind of step up and and um and improve why you're a Liverpool player, stop living on like past glory type of thing. And I'm a big fan of this because he's still fairly young, he's still got a bit of pace. Okay, he's not Mo Salah, okay, he's not Sadio Money, but for me, I see that he's a grafter, I see that he can get a goal, and I can see that, you know, he's he'd never get to get to run a game, so I just believe in keeping the faith for him. But in this game, he was just absolutely abysmal. It was embarrassing. It was just... I used to actually see him ratings afterwards, and this is no joke. I think it was by um, the Anfield rap. And I'd seen, like, Tamiskas, like, five. I'd seen Rich Williams, like, six. I'd seen uh, Curtis Jones, like, five. I went down, and, and Origi was, like, two. And I was like, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen, like, someone get such a bad rating and, like, a football match in my life and I was sitting there and normally when I see that I'm thinking geez, whoever wrote that is just pure harsh but when I seen it too I was like that's like a compliment <laughs> <laughs> I was like I've never seen someone say so bad in my life it wasn't like he was getting chances and missing them he just looked like he wasn't even in the game like he was getting beat, beat in the air by like boys half the size and he just didn't look like he was bothered Um I don't know but He's going to struggle to get a game in that Liverpool team because oh 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 my lord, excuse excuse my friends, <laughs> but that he was just so bad. Um, and yet, so I'm kind of I'm going to join in there and just have a go with a Liverpool player there. But I think also Jurgen Klopp. I think in hindsight, would he have made the changes knowing that we we got beaten the game because he's probably made a few ch- ch- changes. Thinking even if we draw the game, we're still through. Yeah. But he's made the changes. You know, Milner played two games successively. Um, I know we didn't play an international big, but you know it's players like that that have like he's using that game, and it's almost just become an absolute waste. So would would you view maybe looking back? Would you view maybe start with a stronger lineup to start off with, or do you think with all the games and and stuff like that he had to rotate it? What what, what looking back? What would you have you done? I think he was right to do what he'd done. I think he he trusts the squad, and you've got to trust your squad. And I think the thing is, is that any other day. That, that squad would have got us the result. Like generally, you start a lot of very good players in that lineup. I said, even the boys coming in, even the likes of Reese Williams has played really, really good. Neko Williams plays international still for his country. Like he's he's not like a, a young bad player. He, he's a decent level player. I said, you still had the likes of like of Salah and Mane in and other boys like this who, who were able to do something in that squad. Um, I think they just didn't perform on the day, and and that's the problem. Um, I think he, he had the chance to prove themselves and he didn't do it. And, and I think it was a one-off. 
but I don't blame Klopp for doing that. What what do you think about Origi though? Going back to that whole thing on Origi, and I know he, he got a two. He was shocking. I'm pretty certain there was a game in the nineties where Vinnie Jones got sent off after about five seconds of the game starting. I think even he got a three rating at the end of that game, and he was only on for six seconds. Um, but you think to yourself, you put yourself in Origi's shoes. He's twenty five years old. He scored in the Champions League final. He scored some amazing goals. He, he helped in that Barca game to be able to get us to there. And then you've seen Minamino come in, you've seen Shakiri get fit, you've seen Jota come in, and every time you know that you're getting knocked down the pecking order automatically. Like, do you think his confidence is just gone? That you're thinking to yourself, and I know I've got to perform every game, but what more can I do? Like, I scored on one of the biggest stages in world football. I, I helped Liverpool to one of the greatest comebacks of all time. Like, how much more can he do to promote himself? Do you think his confidence has just gone? He's thinking, what am, what am I doing? What more can I actually do to, to get myself above everybody else? Well, first of all, if I was living in David Rigi's shoes and I was, you know, put myself in that situation, I'd look at the 60 grand a week that was going to my bank. <laughs> I think it would make everything go right. <laughs> <laughs> I would think I'm a Champions League winner, I'm a Premier League winner. You know, I would think, you know, all these things. So I would think I'm doing all right, you know. So what if I'm getting used to waste time, you know, <laughs> in, in football matters, I mean, a substitute, I don't care. I would, I'd, be, I'd be pretty chuffed. But yeah, I see, I see the point you're trying to make. Um, yes, but the reality is, um, I'm, I'm probably one of his biggest fans, but he just isn't good enough. He's mm. a squad player. But the reason I made the point I made is because we're all these players coming in. He's had like three or four starts this season and he's always been, on the clock over the last two, three years, like that fourth choice, you know, and that's that's a privileged position to be, like fourth choice to a club like Liverpool Football Club. You know, it mean, what, what that basically means is that you're more or less guaranteed a game every single week. You might not be starting. Do you remember the likes of the Regis, these boys that they, they, they start all the cup games and they might start the odd, you know, few games at Christmas, but they're getting on every game. So some of these players actually play more games for Liverpool than, you know, some form players that, you know, just coming through and, that there's someone else in their position and it wouldn't be in a forward he always gets a game so I just think he needs to step up with all these players coming in and I just don't see it this season I don't think he scored correct me if I'm wrong on that um, and yet I think we could potentially see him going out on loan mm. potentially in the um, in January there but I mean let's hope he's listening to this <laughs> let's hope he's uh, he's got a bit of grip between his teeth and he actually steps up because I do see the potential in him, but as you say, he's 25 years of age. He's done it on a big stage, but he's kind of done nothing this season. And hey, listen, if he's happy enough picking a 60 grand up a week, then uh, fair play to him because <laughs> you can't knock, knock a man for earning that much money and playing for the biggest club in the world. But in saying that, yeah, he needs to step up. Um, but yeah, I think the best thing you can do, Danny, um, is just move on from that game because it was a write-off. We're going to yeah. qualify. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about Brighton next Saturday afternoon kickoff, and um, then obviously we've got Ajax next week. So Brighton, Danny. Um, obviously, I think the biggest name that stands out in Brighton these days um, is Adam Lallana. We yeah. spoke about him a lot last season. Obviously, they've got the likes of Danny Welbeck now as well. Um, so how do you see this going? You know, we haven't got long to recover. We record this podcast now on a Thursday evening. Um, we've got Friday to go, and then boom, we're straight back in Saturday morning. Um, do you think first of all, do you think the fixtures should be a bit the fixtures should be a bit more kind to us? Um, possibly Brighton have got the extra days to cover. And second of all, how do you think the game will go? 
It's hard to know, isn't it? I think if you'd have asked me this last week, I'd have said to you, do you know what, we'll batter them. But you know what, Villa have been on form all season and Brighton came out last weekend and done them 2-1. And it's just once again just showing that you just don't know what is going to happen in this league. There's no guaranteed wins. And I think that's what we need to see. I think if we're going to take anything from that Atalanta game, it's remembering that there's no guaranteed wins in football. There's no way you walk onto a pitch and just because you're a bigger name, you're going to get a win. And especially this season, it is all over the place. And I think the last time we've seen a season like this was the season that, that Leicester ended up winning the league. Um, so I think as much as I, I want to say, yeah, it's going to be a Liverpool win, we need to be careful. Brighton have got a strong team, got a strong lineup. Um, obviously, got a, a lot of good players playing for them. Um but you'd like to think that we're going to do the job, wouldn't you? Like, but as I said, they're a good, solid lineup. They've got, as you said, you've got Danny, Danny Welbeck playing for them now, and uh, Adam Lallana, who's bringing a lot of experience to their team. They've got like of Lewis Dunk at the back, who's a great player and, and, a, and a good captain for them. Um, but yeah, I'd like to think that I'm going to see nothing else other than a Liverpool win. I'd like to think that we're going to bounce back from that Atlanta game, and we're going to really show. That we that we want to be in this for this title because we're, we're running close with a lot of teams now. Everton's still up there, Spurs still up there, Leicester. I know we beat them last week, but Leicester are still up there as well. It is a tight league, and we need to be winning games every week. Um, so yeah, I, I think Liverpool will go strongest lineup that we can. I think Jota will come back in. I think we'll, we'll potentially see a, a, a Mane, Salah, Jota lineup. Uh, with Firmino sitting behind again like they've done a few weeks back uh, and I think we'll be going all out to get goals and to try and win that game I, I reckon it's maybe going to be 3-1 if I have to put a prediction on it And do you think with the game coming so quick enough Saturday morning do you think it's right that we should play Wednesday evening and play Saturday morning do you think the Premier League could be a bit more you know generous Liverpool or do you think you just have to get on with I think this is always going to be a debatable point is that as a football fan, you love it. I love the fact that Liverpool are playing Wednesday and then playing Saturday again. You want to see your team playing and you'd love to see them playing every day if you could. But at the same time, we also sit there and wonder why there's so many injuries. And not just us. We're looking at most of the teams around the league have all got players out injured. And we wonder why that happens. And it's because of this. It's because like football has become more about money than what it has about players and looking after them. Um, so so as a, as a fan, you want to watch your team play, but I think it's harsh to have them play on Wednesday and then Saturday in games that, as we have said, if you looked at it the way that we have looked at it, the Leicester game we needed to win because we were coming up alongside Leicester in the league. It was a game that we had to play a strong lineup in. Atalanta is a game that if we would have won it, we would have wrapped up the Champions League there and then. And then Brighton this Saturday is a potential banana skin. So we need to play a strong lineup again. And you're thinking to yourself, in that week, we potentially should have been playing our strongest team in all three of those games because they're so tight together. You just can't unless you unless you want to risk most of your team ending up with strains and injuries and pulling hamstrings and different things like this, which we've already seen enough of this season. So I think they do need to calm the fixtures down a little bit, but we're just not going to see that happen because of the money that's in it. Yeah, so basically what you're saying was, yeah, you agree with me, but there's no point in going on about it because nothing's going to change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not we're going to do, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you're uh, 
I'm not, I'm not going to say that, but I was going to, I was going to say, and I might actually say it. It's like when you chat, when you're chatting to your girlfriend and, and you're asking for something, and you're just going to agree with what they say anyway. You know, that's what they really talk to the Premier League. It's just, it's just, you just give up. It's one of those things. But yeah, I mean, Saturday, Saturday morning for me, like just do it like Saturday evening. You know, give Liverpool a few more hours for cover, but then Brighton could argue. Then they they've got to fulfil those fixtures, and that's why they've got the big squads and and stuff like that. But onto the game. Um, I've actually, I don't know how, I don't know how this is at managed, but I've actually watched quite a bit of Brighton this season. And uh, Lallana's been superb for them. The goal that Danny Welbeck scored last week was just unbelievable. Like he rolled back the years there. And like they have got good players with like Salou's dunk. Um, and they're always solid. Um, but for me, it's one of those games, isn't it? We've said it a hundred times before, and we'll say it a hundred times again. You've got to be winning these games if you, if mm. you, if you, if you want to win Premier League titles. You can't be. You can't even be thinking about drawing these games. You know, we have to win it. The, the team that are going to be in the, probably the bottom six, um, man for man, we should be beating them no matter what team we put out. And for me, it's just one, like you say, he's used to the, the phrase banana skin. And that is exactly what that is against Brighton. Those games are just literally banana skins. You know, you win a 2 or 3 nil, no one says nothing. It doesn't get discussed. It's like happy days. But if you draw it or lose it or win it tight, you know, everyone's just wanting to get on your back. So let's just hope it's a professional performance. Um, hopefully we see Salah turn up because since he's had Corona, I don't know what he's done. He, he was awful in midweek. Mm. Uh, Manny's been a bit kind of... He's not been great the last maybe month. But then, again, you can put all this down to the amount of football that the players are playing. They're playing all over the world. They don't get a second off, you know, and we sit there and talk about money. But as you say, it doesn't, money doesn't really come into it when the... They're running constantly, like three, four times a week, and giving their soul to a career. Mm. And like they can't be brilliant every week, but um, you've just got to hope that we we get through this game and get through it unscathed. And then obviously on to Ajax, which is again um, a tough game. But I'll give me a prediction before we go into Ajax. I'm gonna go for again. <laughs> you might think I've changed this season, very pessimistic, but I'm gonna go for a one nil victory to Liverpool. Because I can just see Brighton sticking 10 men behind the ball, us being a bit frustrated. But again, I just fancy one of the front three to turn up because they always do. And yeah. that's just the way it is. So, yeah, I'm going for 1 0 to Liverpool. And then obviously, Ajax midweek. Um, we discussed Ajax a few weeks ago. Um, tough. We, we beat them, which was, you know, great um, away from home. But this time it's at Anfield. And um, let me just check that. I, I don't want to be. Talk, there'll be someone listening to you going, he's lying. It's we're not, it's, it's someone else. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure it is, it is, it is at Anfield. Um, I'm just checking that here. Unlike Danny, I don't have to, I should really research this beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> it is on Tuesday at Anfield. It is Tuesday at Anfield, yeah, I thought so. But so, yeah, we should really be beating um, Ajax Anfield and sealing the group in the Champions League. Um, obviously, they've got great players that we've mentioned, like Tadiches and stuff like that. but um, how do you see this one going? And do you think, more importantly, I think the biggest discussion in this particular fix will be how do you see Jurgen Klopp playing? Um, what team will he pick? And do you think he will go full strength because of what happened last week? Or what's your opinion on this? I think we all look at a lot of different factors with it, haven't you? And I think the thing is that Ajax, weirdly enough, the last time Ajax actually drew a game was against Atalanta. Um Apart from that, they've won all of their games in league and in Champions League. Uh, obviously beating Michelin 3-1 there um, and then playing in the league against different teams and they've been winning consistently and been winning well as well. A lot of the times their last game 
um, in the league, in their league. They won 5-0. Before that, it was 3-0. So they're keeping a solid back line um, and getting results as well. So I think for me, Klopp has got to seal the Champions League group in this game. We've got to play a strong lineup, which, as I said, is so frustrating and so hard when you've got so many games coming so thick and so fast that they're going to be playing on Saturday and then they're going to already be prepared and then to play again on Tuesday, which is just so quick. Um, and and again, as I said, you've got to try and get over the banana skin at Brighton and then try and play a, a full-strength Ajax at Anfield and, and hopefully play a, a full-strength team again. Um, but I think he's got to try and go as strong as he can in that game and try and get it wrapped up. Well, this is also another talking point is I, I, I alluded to it like briefly before, but no fans. Like these European night, like, there's something I always say, and I've said this saying about a million times in my life, and um, it's trying to put it across it for football fans. There's something special about a European night at Anfield, mm. but not with no fans. It's just like you know, they may as well be playing on Stanley Park. You know, it, it's 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 just no with no fans. There's no atmosphere, and like the likes of Ajax is coming over Atlanta. They've nothing to fear. Like, you seen those Atlanta players last week celebrating at Anfield, like like they'd won the World Cup. Yeah, and it's like you know, them players will live on that that result. They'll be like when they retire, or we beat Liverpool or Anfield. That's what they'll be going on about. And this could be the same for these Ajax players, but, but with no fans, it's just not the same. So you have to be even more professional, don't you? Do you think maybe Jordan Henderson not being in the team kind of affected that? And hopefully, I don't know if he'll be back for um, Ajax. But in those type of games, you brighten your Ajax. You think not having Jordan Henderson is, is a big a big decisive factor because there was that famous video going around, wasn't it? Um, of when we played Atlanta away and all she there was Jordan Henderson the whole game yeah so do you think someone like him we miss deeply and yeah I mean do you think that we can sit there and talk about these magic from free and all, all these factors but without the likes of Jordan Henderson running the show do you think it's tricky yeah, you're always going to need, and we've seen it throughout the years with it, with any great team, you always need, as much as you've got flair and as much as you've got talent up front and all the rest of it, you need those boys that are prepared to do the hard work and are prepared to do the unnoticed graft. Uh, and Golo Kante has been great doing that over the years at Chelsea yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and for Leicester before that. Um, and for me, I think oh, we've just got a few factors that are really, really frustrating is that, yes, we need Jordan Henderson in that middle to run that game. If we don't have Jordan Henderson, it's not the end of the world. But you think of the situation that we're currently in at the moment. It's like, if we don't have Jordan Henderson, it's not the end of the world because we've got Milner who can fill in there. Oh, wait, there he's having to play right back because our right back's injured. Oh, wait, there we could put Fabino in there. Oh, wait, Fabino's having to play centre back because our centre back's injured. And that's the problem is that those players that we've got that are, are engine room players and graft and put in that hard work and put in those dirty tackles that you don't necessarily uh, that aren't a nice part of football, all of those players are, are either injured or being moved elsewhere and we have no one in the middle that can can do that role effectively, Thiago's injured as we said, Milner, Fabinho are having to move on, Henderson is injured as well, I think Curtis Jones is, is, is a potential but is too young to really fulfil that and really take up that leadership role at the minute. Wijnaldum has, has never been that type of player and neither is Keita either. Um, so I think while we don't have Henderson sitting there in that engine room, we are going to struggle against teams that are that bit more physical and are prepared to come out and press us hard, which Ajax will. Yeah, and that's 
that's one thing I, I kind of noticed midweek against Atlanta is that, you know, without Henderson being there, it just wasn't the same. And I think in a game like that, and again, this game coming on my axe, because I don't know if he'll be fit or not. Um, if you play for he, he, I don't see the point. He, he went away to England and he had three games and he played 45 minutes in one game. It just seemed like he was there to kind of be around the squad. Yeah. You no, know, and if he had any kind of you know fatigue or you know because I know he was injured towards the end of last season, like he's thirty years of age now. He's in the prime, but give him a break. You know he didn't need to play in these pointless games. You know for England, but anyway, that's another that's another short game. But I'd just like to think, put it this way: if he is fit, I guarantee the same thing won't happen against Ajax because he's the type of player that'll be spaying boys on and and uh, you know making sure that they don't let things slip. Like he'd be all over Riga. Say you know we mentioned him, he'd be all over him for me you've got to go full strength against Ajax even if you do against Brighton get the game over and done with and then the, the very final game I think against Michelin I think it is um, hopefully we win the game against Ajax and then we can actually just you know we can play the kids because if you've done that against um, I know you think he was right to do that but I think he was wrong if you've done mm-hmm. that game against Atlanta we could be looking at this game against Ajax as like a, a bit of a you know training match but now it actually means something if I'm correct in saying if I expect us to go above us and that was just unthinkable like two games ago so we have to really really be you know professional I keep using this word professional but it's, it is again another banana skin as such um, and you know you'd have to go into the last game against Mitchelland and have something to do which you know Liverpool always do it that way but it's alright when you got the likes of Gerrard and you got the likes of Salah and you got the likes of you know Van Dijk and stuff but you know, the, but the players being introduced to say that by the time that game comes, we were actually going to have fit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So uh, let's hope that we'd be professional against Ajax. And I'm going for, I'm going to go for 2-1. So yeah, I'm being a bit bit pessimistic to say 1-0 against Brighton and 2-1 against Ajax. But I do think we'll win the games, but I just don't think it's going to be, I don't think they're going to be like great performances. It's just going to graft them results and being professional. But I'd like to think this time next week when we're chatting, we're off the back of two wins because I was buzzing when we beat Leicester I was thinking yes I can't wait to get into Danny and chat about it and then we watched Atlanta and you're just like <laughs> you know right okay that was just the worst game ever so like let's hope that we can have two 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 games this week two wins and, and be happy happy enough and um, what's your prediction for Ajax? I'm going to go so I think Ajax are scoring a lot of goals at the minute so I think I can never rule them out Um do you know what? My my head is saying that it's going to be one all. Uh, right. I think it's going to end up a draw because I think we are going to have to play some sort of change lineup. It's not going to be the strongest team. Um, we're going to have to like say Reese Williams brought back in, who who you don't know how he's going to react off the back of his first loss at such a big level. Um, I'm going to go one all, uh, like which I know is sort of against what we normally do because we generally go for Liverpool wins. Um, but I'm going to go one all. I'm going to say it's going to be a draw and Klopp is going to sort of grind out this Champions League group stage. Um, so yeah, one all. One all for me. So yeah, there you go. So all I can say, let's hope we get two wins. Um, I think the most important thing is Liverpool fans listen to this and any football fans, let's let's please hope and pray that we get no more injuries. Um, and in the meantime, I think a good way to end this podcast today would be let's pray for all the people that, you know, Diego, Diego Maradona meant something to. Um, obviously, he's left kids behind and stuff. And it's a huge, huge loss for the world of football. So, in the meantime, thank you so, so much for listening. It's Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road.
Podcast Network.